So it's come to this. Oh, has it now? It has indeed. It has. My All good right. fellow. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. We're going to talk about some movies. We got a two we got a second parter here. This is the we conclusion. Gotta, yeah. So far. I hope you listened to last week's, which was a celebration of the career of Brian Dennehy, recently deceased legend, character actor, extraordinaire all-around good guy. And there was two movies we didn't talk about uh, at all until the end reveal because we wanted to save a special yeah. episode exclusively for them. We covered a bunch of movies and just talked about general uh, things about Dennehy last episode. This focuses on two of our favorites. Absolutely. Uh, I think both of these have been big hits uh, amongst our movie groups, the biggest, and they are... FX from 1986 and the best movie with the name <laughs> Gladiator. The good Gladiator. When people are talking about, oh yeah, Gladiator, it's one of the best. They're talking about 1992's Gladiator. They are indeed, and we're going to talk about them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start with FX. Sure. And just so you know, Eric, it means special effects. The title of the movie, FX. F slash X. Okay, yeah, capital F. Capital F. Backslash capital X. That's the title. Uh-huh. It means special effects. Got it. And That's a healthy reference I point. I mean, to be fair, I only know that because the movie tagline tells us this much. Yeah, it's that's the movie's tagline. FX, parentheses, it means special it effects. It means special effects. That's actually probably the most straightforward thing about this whole movie. Yeah, this um, is a complicated plot movie in the best way. It is, yeah. That, well, so I love, we watched the trailer for it at one point, because this is a favorite of ours. I think uh, we've watched this probably a couple times together. I believe I bought it on Laserdisc for you. You did. That Was was that your introduction to FX? Or I think it? that was the first time I'd seen it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I knew it meant special effects. But you I just used your your street smarts to already know that. Though. That's true. I guess. Yeah. I guess I deduced it. Like yeah. the the laserdisc package confirmed it for you. It did. What you had Thank already God. thought that it means special effects, which felt good. But that was one of those movies. I think I was like drunk on a Saturday, <laughs> and I texted you like because I was watching FX. It was like, hey, do you have FX on laserdisc? And you're like, no. Don't uh, believe it. immediately. I'm just on. Well, e- I texted back. You mean special effects? Yeah, it mean the one that means special <laughs> effects, right? And I'm immediately on eBay at 1 a.m. Just like, yeah, I'm ordering Laserdisc FX. Hey, you're doing the Lord's work. Yeah, thank you. And so we got to watch it on FX, and I love the trailer because that has the tagline said with like movie trailer voice. So it has <laughs> it this. Does. It has this sick car chase. Uh, you know, trailer, really good trailer. Great trailer. Dude's on fire. You yeah, know. really highlights the... Lots the, of action. Yeah, for an 86 movie, it had the best version of uh, practical effects. It, you special know, the effects. Movie is, the movie is a better have some good special effects. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, it's... You're setting yourself up there. Yeah, you're putting it right out there. <laughs> um, good acting. The movie. I was oh, just going to say... <laughs> whatever, yeah, the whatever. burners are turned up to high right yeah, now. It's just called like cinematography. <laughs> yeah, just focusing all that attention on a specific <laughs> thing. Can't let them down now. That'd be great. And uh, so the the movie trailer is a very well done trailer, showcasing the coolest parts of the action and makes the movie look awesome. And then it's like FX. It means special effects. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. But something about reading on the Laserdisc is like FX. Um, you know, it... Uh, it's like dot, dot, it dot, me- dot, dot. It, it means, means special effects. It means special effects. You can feel like Michael Ian Black reading that line more. Just real smarmy. It means special effects. Yeah. But the movie is like a taut, complicated, 
cool thriller. It's a great thriller. Yeah. Um, quickly, the plot of the movie is a special effects guy gets double crossed in trying to help the Justice Department, and he's on the run for his life. Yeah. And uh, he is this com- this plot gets so it's one of those super complicated plots like Big Lebowski, where you're trying to follow several different moving parts and you're so lost and you don't know who's really who and, <laughs> yeah. and who's telling the truth there's very there's a, a lot, lot of double, double crosses and weird unassumed identities and a lot to keep up with but it handles in a way that it is complicated to explain but not as complicated to watch right but this yeah this early double cross is what him doing special effects makeup for an undercover mob guy they want him to uh, make it look like a mob guy is getting assassinated, so they hire him right. to do the blood, like squibs and, and blanks. Yeah, yeah. And then when he does it, they try to kill him, and then he's on the run. And it turns out, yeah, this whole Justice Department is protecting this mobster and is trying to kill him. Yeah, for what he knows. A lot of double and triple crosses. Yeah, but a good cast of faces because oh, yeah. that mob guy is a pre-Law and Order Jerry Orbach. Beautiful Jerry Orbach. Post. Uh, Post what, Dirty Dancing pre? Uh, was this would this? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this would have been yeah. Maybe right at the same time as I think Dirty Dancing. A little dancing. after Dirty Dancing. Yeah, okay. Right there, and then several years before Law and Order. Mm-hmm. And so this is Jerry Orbach. Before this, I'd never seen him as that kind of mobster, smartass villain. Yeah, I'd seen smartass on Law and Order. That's a that's a smartass that parents like. Is Orbach <laughs> era Law and Order. But I like him as sneering, kind of cocky, but also mobster that fucked up. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's undercover for the feds. He's a he's good a, slice of a character. He's right got there. this great scene where uh, they're they're suiting him up for for the special effects to happen, and he's just yeah. saying these like really lame like one liners. Like yeah, they, it's like they he, put a little piece of metal on his head, and he's like. Yeah, the man in the iron mask. Eh? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. what? It's this real bad, like, Rodney material. He's trying to be funny, but yeah. It's definitely him doing Dangerfield with all these bad hack, like, just making awkward small talk jokes. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm sitting in a chair here. It's like, Jesus, this guy doesn't. <laughs> it's pretty good. But it's so good the way, uh it's such a per. He's not in the movie for probably more than ten minutes. No, he's really got like maybe yeah one scene in the beginning, one at the end, kind of a thing. big important one but, at the uh, end. Yeah, and but, but and uh, the main star is a total like this guy. It's the action movie version of Yahoo Serious, <laughs> where some only popular in Australia actor comes over and does his specifically Australian thing, and American audiences like I'm not, I don't know. Yeah, about Yahoo Serious. Weird choice to make him. An, uh, yeah, Australian actor Brian Brown plays Raleigh. Raleigh. I'm yeah, Raleigh. He's such a thick Australian dude, and I know the Crocodile Dundee works. So I guess this is just the same kind of dice roll. Dude, people in the '80s loved Australia. Yeah, it was big time. It well, the, so. it was small specific things, but very rabid Australian fan bases for these things. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it was an obsession. And this is like, but it, like I had compared this one earlier to They Live, and that They Live was like meant to be a successful theatrical movie and was hugely for a, you know, made like probably 45, 50 million. And, uh, but to bank it all on Roddy Piper, that's such a weird risk that they didn't need to take. Yeah, there's plenty of other guys that were proven that could have done the material decently, and they live still would have been successful. But the dice roll that Carpenter took, I'm like, no, this pro wrestler who's only played a wrestler in movies up to this point, yeah, he's gonna be the lead. Thick Canadian accent, we want that. <laughs> <Yeah>. Canadian <laughs> thick, drifter, thick yes, Saskatchewan accent, and uh, yeah, for whatever reason, Brian got the job. Um, and yeah, so this Brian Brown movie, I, I was saying. It feels like you. Well, you looked it up and saw that they tried to get names like Harrison Ford. That's yeah. Mel tri- Gibson. Trivia says Mel Gibson maybe was up for it or whatever. So they they obviously were going for bigger now this, names. This would have been pre. Oh, that's he's another Australian. I just realized. he's Australian. Yeah, they wanted an Aussie They're, bad. See, the thing is, there's a lot of Australian people working. Hugh Jackman and and yeah, but 
Nicole Eight, Kidman, but but they don't play Australians. Yeah, 86, 87 was suddenly like, oh, these kind of hunky Australian guys. Yeah. These strong-armed, thick-accent Australians are coming over. So Mel but they, Gibson... But they don't change the screenplay so that uh, Riggs and Murtaugh is like an Australian <laughs> yeah. and an old African-American cop. It's just... He's just a white guy. Yeah, he's just a guy. <laughs> no explanation of his expatriatism. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so we get this Brian Brown performance who's super effective as Raleigh and a guy that I... I like him. I'm, I think I've only seen in one other movie. <laughs> I have not... I, I don't know him from I saw him in else. Breaker Morant, yeah, which is several years before, and that was like a historical drama. This is very different than that. And so it's just a weird choice for this l- heavily relied upon lead yeah. for every one of the story's twists. But it totally works. It works. I love FX. It's well done. It's well play, uh, well paced, and and very suspenseful. And we finally, you know, the only problem is it takes about forty five minutes for Dennehy to show up. Yeah. So we have that's to a, get into the plot before he, as the cop, that's a common Dennehy character. Yeah. The well, you got to have the crime before the investigator. Mm-hmm. Can the come important in. character who comes in in the halfway through the flick totally. is a Dennehy role. That's, That's a good a, one. Exactly what this is. So we finally see Dennehy after uh, the effects guy's girlfriend and then would-be assassin have been killed in the apartment. We get down to business pretty quick. She, Yeah. Like they, bodies start to pile up early yeah. in FX. This movie starts and even though we get, take a while to get to Dennehy, like this guy gets on the run pretty quick. Yeah. The, the His girlfriend getting killed is quite an unexpected like plot twist yeah death kind of a thing so uh after that sequence happens and he's on the run denny he is given one of the great uh, haggard cop introductions <laughs> he plays this yeah d- d- uh, lieutenant detective and this is the job is all he's got this is it sure right it's one of those <laughs> nothing but, else to go home to but we get yeah we get him under the covers under the sheets of his bed the the phone's ringing off the hook he's groaning he's Got Chinese food next to the bed. I mean, clearly hungover, whatever's going on that, with him. Dennehy works so well edge. in this movie, but just from your verbal description right there, it sounds like seven different Mel Gibson movies that I've seen. It's a it, it's a great. Um, this is a Mel Gibson movie, and they're just like cliche. We can just get this old, tall, fat guy, yeah. instead of young, fluffy-haired, muscular Australian guy. Exactly, and it totally works in a totally different way. Imagine someone like Harrison Ford trying to do this, you know. Oh yeah, it's cop a, at the end. It's of the, a Deckard kind of role because he's playing this, you know, obviously a, a man with a past, a man who's just holding on to this job by the skin of his teeth. But he's good at the but job. He's a goddamn good cop, <laughs> and uh, he's the one who investigates these murders. And this then, this is also we talked about um, the rare, always good sighting of bearded Dennehy. Mm-hmm. Bearded Dennehy means he's like. An Arkansas sheriff, <laughs> like a cool Arkansas sheriff who's not strictly illegal, but not not illegal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Beard Denny, he's always like, oh, we know we're, we're getting something good. This is the even rarer and arguably more valuable mustache Dennehy. The mustache Dennehy. This is a thick, this is, he looks like. This may be my favorite Dennehy yeah, look. Because great. He's, he's got longer hair than usual. Shaggier. He's Shaggier got, in the back and the sideburns and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's got kind of this curl happening on the sides and the back that kind of happens to my hair. It looks like so I feel like I could be this for Halloween. Like definitely looks some, like like McMillan and wife era Rock Hudson. Totally. <laughs> kind of, you know, like but the, just the the mustache that just looks like the caterpillar yeah. on your well, like a, the Ron Swan. It's a real Ron Swanson. It's mustache. an '86 movie, but that's like a '76 look. Exactly. That's much. That's that hirsute, that's, shaggy, that's bushy. That's the Dennehy must- level of thinking you're getting here. Uh-huh. You're getting a guy who's been on the job ten years too. This long. is a guy stuck in his glory days as a cop. Yeah. Without playing it for laughs, that he's got a bushy '70s mustache. Right. But yeah, it's this is. Uh, his looks are all so good, because this is Dennehy is a dude who. <laughs> When I watch him, I see him in all these other roles. Uh, like, I'm looking at him and thinking, like, man, Denny, he could have played Hellboy. Right. Just old-ass 55-year-old Hellboy. He's got that lantern head 
mm-hmm. that just already looks like he's just white Hellboy. <laughs> you know, and he's already got the size. It's just like, dude, they should have made this old man grizzled Hellboy. That would be like, cool. Oh, and he would have worked as that. Or if they had done a uh, proper like uh, Dark Knight Rises old man Bruce Wayne. Yeah, like he's got that big broad. And you mentioned he could, he could be an old Batman. You that mentioned would be, like would have Kingpin. Been cool. Kingpin from the yeah the Marvel universe. Uh-huh. He would have been a great Kingpin. And like the in, thing in even Fantastic Four. Just filling oh, yeah. in these like he old been man an awesome versions ben of Grimm. this. Yeah, for sure. Like, oh man, he's got the range to pull off comic book acting. Except these are except like he's, the two... he's about thirty years too early in yeah. the whole spectrum of things. Yeah, way yeah. before it was popular and just older. You know, totally. In the way that if they, uh, it just feels like the two movies we're talking about today is the most comic book villain, but some of my favorite work of his. So, yeah, oh, he's such a good face in this movie. Yeah, he's great, and he's just got one of he's just got this great swagger and walk to him. I kind of feel like the Dennehy, like you can tell how scrupulous he is by how much he leans forward or not in his performance. See, like, like the more he leans, the 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 dirtier he gets. This is what I'm saying. And then when he's kind of reserved and he's got his head back further on his shoulders, he's the nice guy or the dad or the, you know. You're approaching the same idea from the opposite angle that I did on the previous Dennehy podcast, where I'm talking about how in a small town killing, he's the do-good lawyer. But when he's giving his dissertation to the jury, he's leaning heavy on that jury box right down over the, the plane of it. And I'm saying this is a good guy, but he's using the Dennehy lean to <laughs> show that, here too. to show that you know I might be a little fucked up. Yeah, you know I might make some bad decisions sometimes, and I'm leaning into your personal space. Absolutely. Oh, but yeah, he's he's a good cop, but he's just such a bad communicator, mm-hmm. and he's constantly getting into fights with the other lieutenants and the. Uh, other cops and <laughs> yeah. he's it's just one of those there's great, a lot of it's one of those great just like grabbing people by the scruff of their neck yeah like give me the goddamn file like a lot of, of coming into a conversation with the wrong energy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like really missing the energy level that he needed yeah he's always slightly misreading yeah like give me the fucking documents <laughs> it's like the guy probably would have just gotten him the documents he's 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 Going to the Justice Department to try to figure out, because he knows the assassin in the apartment is uh, ex-cop. Mm-hmm. And there's a great moment <laughs> while he's uh, looking up the information with the uh, kind of woman next to him, the assistant. Mm-hmm. She's like, ah, the rest of his record is N.A. Not available. <laughs> They're really explaining two-letter acronyms to us, this <laughs> whole movie. I saw that last time, watching it last, I almost died. I was like, holy shit, FX and NA, not yeah. available. Yeah. So good. Anyways. Um, hey, will you pass me that stapler? Okay. But he's, uh, that means okay. <laughs> that means, yeah, exactly. A-OK. Uh, not available, huh? So he finds, out, he finds out the guy is from the Justice Department Witness Protection Program, this assassin who's dead in the apartment. So he goes there, and he's trying to get the information. And Mason's not there, the, the guy in charge. Yeah. So he's just dressing down the secretary. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I want his address. And she's like, I don't uh, have it or something. He goes, I don't care if it's tattooed on your ass. <laughs> That's he's such... talking to a woman in yeah, a in a office That like is this. such a... I love the different <laughs> Loud range. Loud enough that everyone else can hear him. Right, right, right. <laughs> this movie, the Dennehy rolls that he hit, it's like he is hitting every exuberant police cop from the 80s in every different scene. And so that scene's like his Pacino scene. I don't care (laughs) if it's tattooed on your ass. It's just like Dennehy is just like sweetheart and stuff. Oh, I know. It's such a it's just like oh if it was a Burt Reynolds movie, his role would be played by like Terry Bradshaw. (laughs) (laughs) Just pinching ass and like oh it was it was astounding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, watching it, you're just like, holy shit, dude! <laughs> this movie goes. He's so bad with people. I know. He's this... just like the worst person to have to deal with talking to on a one on one level. But he's like, yeah, he's the kind of guy you're expecting somebody to be like. I think we're both in agreement on this. And he's <laughs> like, well, I wasn't sure. 
how the energy was. Yeah. <laughs> it's always just not the correct vibe. And this movie is... I love the pacing of this movie. It picks up that same kind of pace from movies that I love, like The Game. Yeah. Where it's like a guy on a run and a guy trying to figure out a complicated thing as he's running. And when that's done well, I'm a sucker for it. And yeah. this is done really well. And they do great stuff with with the special effects stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, you get all this lovely, like, kind of homage to old horror with all these animatronic puppets and stuff. His apartment is a great, all-time great stuff. movie apartment. It's got that a f- big animatronic beast that he keeps in his doorway. I gotta think some of those are real because I for sure, uh, when they talk about the baby, uh, it's the, Oh, yeah, it's the, the, the actual, from like... It's Alive. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, so, yeah, there's all these kind of dolls and stuff in the apartment, but... Totally. Um, it's Yeah, there has to be actual era appropriate pieces yeah and the guy even i'm forgetting the scene you've seen it more recently than i have but there's even when the guy comes over to hire him for the first time he's like kind of doing a couple of horror nerd moments right oh he's this the yeah he's going oh i i dismember mama oh i and now that's a that's a real name of a movie well there you go i dismember mama which is a great all-time I have to look Pun it up. horror title. And there's like a zombie with the, you know, the eyeless uh, zombie poster. Sure. There's a, a, other uh, old-timey posters. So you got all that great stuff. Yeah, the big, I'm pretty sure the big animatronic. That it's got to be something. That's used. got to be something. In a really fun way later in the movie. Yeah. It's a fun red herring surprise decoy that you kind of forgot about. Very smart. With, they're really smart with that kind of uh, fun jump. Yeah. In the movie. It's a thriller with some jumps, but a lot of action. So they use all that well, and they use his, you know, makeup and stuff, and he gets to, like, use his skills. Yeah, the skills. guy uses disguise equipment oh, skills. The guy's a makeup and explosives effects artist. A full... He's like Rick Baker. Oh, yeah. James Bond. They've got that truck, that FX truck yeah. that they drive around. Oh, I, oh, that thing is so sweet. And, uh, yeah, I just... <laughs> and, and Dennehy is just on his trail... And he finally kind of catches up to where, who he knows who Raleigh is, and that he's yeah. this FX guy who was uh, with the girl who was murdered. And they're just like going through that apartment after the guy has the big nerd scene. Yeah, and you're like cool, and then, and then Denny, he's just like, people pay to see this shit. What is this? Yeah, <laughs> he's such he's an out of touch dude, just hating on it, just like belittling the whole thing. Yeah, it's a really great whodunit, and the movie is really smart. About how it lets us in on the plot, yeah. Uh, the the pace that we learn more of the story because there's a lot of stuff that we're just as confused on, and the movie not the movie makes it extra fun by us sometimes knowing information that Brian Brown doesn't, but also him sometimes knowing information that we don't. Mm. So mm-hmm. we get surprised and he gets surprised in different stuff by the plot, really smartly laid out like that. And it just has good faces throughout. I always love uh, a guy I don't think we've talked about at all, but we will at some point. This is the inaugural Tom Noonan reference. Because Tom Noonan is such a great presence in a movie, whether he's a lead or a dude in one scene. Because he's like 6'8". As wide as Denny he is, shoulder to shoulder, Noonan is tall. He's this tall he's this, bull from Night Court. He's like a giant pencil with an <laughs> eraser bald head. Yeah, he's been bald in everything. Yeah. Except, well, Manhunter, he had, some, I think, some... No, he was bald. It was Ooh, just shaggier man. around the sides. we got to do a Manhunter episode. Well, I think that's going to be the Noonan. Yeah. The first full Tom Noonan episode yeah, is yeah. Manhunter. And then Last Action Hero, of course. Oh, he's great in So that. good. RoboCop 2. Ooh, uh-huh. there you go. Good good run. Classic Noonan. We'll get to Noonan. He'll be dead soon. We're cursing him now. We're cursing him. Oh, jeez. Um, but Tom Noonan shows up as just, <laughs> as just thug number two, and he's this great distracting screen presence, like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the background of a, scene, of a couple scenes in The Long Goodbye. Right. Just early 70s Arnold. Like, God, I just can't stop staring at the 280-pound Austrian. <laughs> Tom Newton's 6'8", big bald head. And he has this such a... He almost has like a goon Christopher Walken delivery whenever he talks. He's a great thug. 
Yeah. He's a smart guy, but he plays like menace thug good. Just with his weird specific size. Yeah. So he only shows up for what? Two scenes. But yeah. you still get good presence and good faces like that down the home stretch. Absolutely. Goes a long way, for sure. The ending to me really plays out like like an adventure survivor game. Mm-hmm. Video game. <laughs> Like the game Manhunt that I loved and beat one of the levels is just a bunch of assassins in a mansion, all SWAT guys looking for you and you setting traps and baiting them into rooms. That's the final stretch of FX. Oh, yeah. It's got a great final scene. Um, This guy is adult home-aloning the mafia. Full-on home-aloning these dudes. Yeah. He's uh, setting up... uh, fake sound devices he's setting up mirrors and having these guys shoot each other basically yeah um, yeah great. this guy is went to like uh tom savini's makeup school in pittsburgh and he's like now i'm working with the feds <laughs> using the makeup skills i learned from the dude who did the frankenstein makeup and you know it's this weird uh it's such a weird concept that works so great yeah it shouldn't. It doesn't feel like it should work this great. But we talked about in the first. <laughs> that's that's what we get in FX two. Yeah, FX two <laughs> is like, oh, so it was a ninety minute premise. <laughs> Got it. Any attempt to go beyond FX immediately blows apart. <laughs> yeah, FX two is. It's got Dennehy back. It's got our two principles. It's back. worth watching it for Dennehy. And so that's that has value. That at least yeah. raises the floor a bit. Um. It's a, it's an ugly mess. It feels like how the the first I know one of your favorite franchises is Fast and the Furious. <laughs> sure, I know you go on about this. Yep. And the first one was just like a we're stealing this car that's worth like thirty thousand dollars. It's gonna be cool for our club. <laughs> and by movie three, they're like. We're international super spies who are mm-hmm. smuggling rare supercars and also arms. Right. To the like That's what FX two was doing. FX two was immediately into super spy intrigue and it bit off way more than it could chew. Yeah. Anytime you introduce the Vatican in your <laughs> yeah. sequel, you're going really, for it. Really crazy conspiracy <laughs> theorist plots in FX two. That does have the great moment though where Denny he does have to kind of reveal the plot. Of FX2, and he's like, Oh, yeah. All right. So you got the Vatican. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you got the 16th Chapel. All right. You see this here? Because it goes man to God. Okay. You got that? All right. Now, here you go. You got these little medallions. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, What? Yeah. It's really like. You learned a lot. That he, it's in suddenly the like a national treasure movie. When the first yep. one was just like kind of a 70s crime drama in the 80s. Right. And this is such a ridiculous. So good. Action movie. But. You know, it's entertaining. It sucks. But it's like, you know, these guys are it fun. It was entertaining. These guys are fun. It was entertaining. But the first one, I think, is a solid, actual thriller. The first one, I think, is an actual excellent movie. Um, I, I, don't think wanna, I don't think we awesome. should even give anything else away. No. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon. Both, so of, them the are, both of them are yeah. on there. I, I say take take a couple hours. They're, they're both about an hour and 40. Yeah. Hour the and first 45. one with, has, without revealing what they are, consistently strong twists yeah twists that don't feel like they're cheating you it's actually just a well tightly constructed thriller with a unique story and really utilizes its odd gimmick that it chose um it was a good hit it's like a modest hit it's a good movie it's uh i think it's pretty well 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 reviewed but yeah it's got Definitely one of my favorite Dennehy's. He really is, now that I've said Riggs and Murtaugh, he's both in, in one person in this movie. He really is. He's a just the pinnacle kind of 80s cop. <laughs> I feel like, I you know, this is like him and him like a Tom Atkins. Oh, yeah. Are like, that's like, to yeah, me, Atkins would have been mustache. At, Atkins would have been good in this. And that's one of the cool, relatable things about Brian Dennehy is there's a lot of great actors like that, like Tom Atkins. And Dennehy can do the things we like about Tom Atkins, but he has his specific, you know, like I said, Nick Nolte is another guy. Right. feels like he's doing a version of Nick Nolte, but with his frame, with his voice, with his big face, like it's that same thing I like about each of those other actors, but 
in a Brian Dennehy vessel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a totally different vibe of a thing I already like. So FX is just, I saw both of them when I was a kid and uh, they kind of stuck with me hmm. and then revisited them again years later and then started revisiting it more often. <laughs> it's a fun, it's a fun watch. Have you ever seen it in the theater? I don't think, no. I don't think we have, right? No. That was definitely more of a thing that I, we kind of brought to the think- movie group together inadvertently yeah because well, i yeah. got it for Once you, you me and the then la- you yeah. wanted to watch i don't it. even yeah exactly i think i had maybe heard of it i don't even know if i really you know i knew special effects i got that you knew right off the gate that <laughs> fx <laughs> stood for <laughs> special effects so you already went in ahead of the game exactly <laughs> me and my big brain no but it's a great movie and again it's on amazon prime totally worth it gotta watch uh, it great dennehy great movie overall a movie that Dennehy lifted up, but it could have survived and still been really good with another guy. Right. Whereas the next movie is a favorite of mine, a genuine favorite. But there's a couple of directions that the movie didn't could have just made a slightly different choice and been a pretty bad movie. But because of two specifically strong casting choices, I think is great. I've watched this movie probably three or four times in the last two years. It's become one of my all-time favorites. 1992's Gladiator. The best Gladiator. The preferred Gladiator the in, preferred my, gladiator. in my house. And I'll level with you. I like Gladiator 2000. The cheap, <laughs> inferior sequel to Gladiator 92. Had nothing to do with the first one, though. Way do. We've reviewed like kind of a prequel, you know, really, huh? Slumber Party <laughs> Massacre and Slumber Party Massacre Two. You know, we've gone through sequels where okay, you know, they took a different direction. Prom Night and then yeah, Hello Mary Lou, Prom Night Two, very different. Different Sleepaway Camp, very different, different vibe. Times Unhappy Campers is very different, but Gladiator ninety two to Gladiator two thousand. Way jump forward. I just couldn't get past the whole Roman stuff. You know? Very hit me odd. tough nut to crack. Hit me odd. No connections. I liked all the fighting. It had the same in-the-ring fighting. Very in-ring fighting. That but, the first one had. But uh, yeah, well, well let, let's just talk about the first one. So then. the strengths yeah. of Gladiator, which... So you might actually have to kind of explain this movie, because this <laughs> is not like a known movie. Pretty under the radar. Actually, I had never heard of it before we watched it as a group, um, and... I never, I just had never heard of it. So you might have to so give us a little. I this came out in 1992, and Got it. It, uh... <laughs> so well, you're saying you were unaware of it. You would it's have a... been like eight years old. Well, so why would but, you be but, aware like, of Gladiator? I never saw it on TNT late 90s, or which I never, is surprising I never, because like, you know I'm pretty sure it was the kind of movie that played on USA and TBS. It was an R-rated movie, but when you think about it, the R rating was for two or three f-bombs yeah you know dennehy and loja i think each drop a couple f-bombs and other than that it's just like boxing right so all the rocky movies uh were pg-13 this could easily be edited for tv it's a pretty bloody boxy movie though but i know it play on tv because this is where my slight age kicks in Mm. i would have been 11 in 92 and this had a lot of commercials running during pro wrestling television Okay. You know, a so new it had boxing an ad, movie. It had an that, ad, ad campaign. Sure, sure. Yeah, it was targeted to fans of the fake fighting. I missed it. <laughs> so missed you were it. not yet old enough to be watching uh, the, the pro wrestling yet. I guess. So I remember commercials for this, but didn't see it until I was older. And kind of fell in love with this story that I think is much better than it got credit for at the time. And a lot of the, that reason is because of Brian Dennehy and Robert Loja. Mm-hmm. They're probably the you know second and third most screen time in the movie, outside of James Marshall, the <sighs> poor James from Twin Peaks. Yeah, James. This was James's starring lead role, and he just Jamesed it up. He marshaled the damn thing. Yeah. He's a good guy, but um, 
he was a good, good boxer. Little little out, <laughs> yeah. little outmatched in the acting department on this one. This movie, which again I genuinely love. I've seen this movie probably five six times. We watched it as a movie group, and yeah. it was such a unanimous hit with the group. I felt this is the kind of movie we is a little bit out of our regular zone. This is the movie that yeah. made us a collective fan of Brian Dennehy because his performance is so strong. The ones that right afterwards with no hyperbole, sometimes we watch this trash and a genuine golden worthy performance jumps out at us. Maybe not always quite Oscar worthy, but sometimes. And I'm thinking like Michael Moriarty in Q, the winged serpent. Absolutely. Such an absolute purposely trash movie with this gem of an overacted but super fun performance just right in the middle in this total like, yeah, we'll make a claymation monster movie in the, the right. 80s. It was such a cheesy idea with this guy doing a great method performance <laughs> right in the middle of it. And that feels like Dennehy in Gladiator, where he takes this material that would have been sometimes cheesy at other times, it's pretty by the numbers as far as he's he's it's it's a bad guy role for him. So he's yeah say intimidating, threatening things. He's this boxing promoter who was also a former boxer, and he's running these kind of like traps kids in contracts and makes them fight for his you know yeah. profit. Yeah, his, hold, il- his hold, illegal boxing ring that has a thousand people in it he's, every night. He's associated with the hoods, mm-hmm. and so he capitalizes on people who owe him money. Holds him under contract, holds things over him. So it's a lot of like cliche kind of villain, comic book villain stuff. Right. But he is so good as this character, as Jimmy. Mm hmm. He, it must have been a great casting decision because Dennehy's already a big guy. He looks like a, a comic book monster in this. This is when you came up with Kingpin. Right. Because he's just this hulking fake human but it, it you feel like it's all muscle he's he's not a pudgy guy at all no and he's he's, he's just he's a in his mid dude. 50s in this movie yeah and he's able it's like the when stallone did the the super late rocky and he's like the 62 year old comeback sure. rocky and you're like jesus like i think denny he pulls that off better in this one right well he's not cut you know like a, a late career stallone or, or van damme or but something he's this, like a normal this is probably dude. the last best shape we got Dennehy in. <laughs> probably. It's a very physical role, especially at the end. Like you said, he's not cut, but he's got kind of like a prison muscle. Right. Where he's got kind of like a belly, but it's like kind of a firm belly. And he's got kind of like, you know, muscular arms. And he's like this in-shape old guy bod. But he's on this, this huge guy bod. Mm-hmm. So... Uses it to his his advantage, for sure. Yeah, so he's just bullying people through this movie. And I keep thinking as I'm watching it that (laughs) in one scene, we see this early sparring session with Dennehy and some guy who's Mm -hmm. one of his students, you know, because he's a trainer promoter. And he basically exploits all the kids' tells and ends up just wrecking this kid. And the first time he meets our hero, dumb James, he's casually walking up to him like this hulking, deranged. Uh, he looked like William Atherton mm. in Die Hard or uh, Ghostbusters, but like hundred pounds bigger, with his mouth bleeding. The ble- yeah, this like blood on the tooth. Yeah, he's got look. the you know in the deep uh, recesses of your teeth and gums that dark red yeah. ringing his teeth. And he's got this great uncut shot of him, like, coming out of the ring after just murdering a dude, basically, (laughs) with this bloody mouth. And then he kisses his babe with his bloody mouth and just kind of unzips his coat. And it's just like, dude, this is just swinging that dick out of that (laughs) ring. This guy right here. This is a 55-year-old that's just owning the room. And he even immediately brings it up to James. He's like, hey, sorry to meet like this, huh? Sorry, I had to witness me kicking the shit out of this dude. First impressions are everything, James. Exactly. Like, oh, 
This guy as owns James Marshall a room. just stares at him without emotion. Boy, you got <laughs> you had a uh, James is really a uh, a vacuum of charisma <laughs> is, in this movie. If you had, if the reveal at the end of this movie was that he had been dead the whole time, <laughs> I would have believed it. James is a little <laughs> like comatose throughout, and you make a point. So this is. We haven't hardly even talked about Robert Loja. We haven't even gotten into Loja. So Loja... Five different kinds of laughs in one scene. You know Robert how much Loja. we love Robert Loja. If yes. you listened to our Lost Highway episode, oh. which is... So just like Loja in Lost Highway and Dennehy in this movie, it is a movie that the Academy Awards don't typically pay attention to that is clearly an award nomination worthy performance. This feels to me like when Kathy Bates got an Oscar for misery, right? Where it was just like, wow, that is awesome. That was like a horror villain genre performance that got an Oscar. And even watching Anthony Hopkins in silence of the lambs feels like of it's not that far from a Michael Myers level villain, right? You know, and uh, so it's that that kind of normalizing of horror villains as Oscar winners, I think, helps for me. Dennehy is like this being an award-worthy performance. It's so good. It's so specifically evil, but so authentic that it's just like, oh, this is great. And Loja in Lost Highway <laughs> is such a comically and and cruelly unique character. Mm-hmm. It's like, this could only have been played by Robert Loja. That, to me, is award-worthy. When he captures a specific, like, yep, that's perfect. That's Robert Loja. And Dennehy in this, that's why I don't I don't get why Gladiator doesn't have a bigger following. I, it's I, a, it's because a I don't think strong. a lot of people ever heard of it, honestly. Yeah. I never but, heard of it. I mean, it was it. a theater movie. <laughs> you think and it's from an era where... it just I, I don't think it ever survived into that next generation of movie fans. It's even like boxing moving movie fans. Well, so what and, I but, don't... But that's no fault to the people involved. I, I'm just saying, it, for whatever reason, it didn't catch that zeitgeist of, of well, what's the weird larger is, populace who... For me, I don't watch a lot of boxing, but there's a lot of boxing cinema <laughs> that is among it, it, my very favorites. You would think boxing is the most popular sport in America. Boxing has definitely been every handled ten years the best of, on film. Yeah, of any it's other very sport. cinematic. Yeah, you go from the highest end stuff like Raging Bull and Fat City with uh, Stacy Keach. Mm. Uh, Great early 70s movie that we'll get to someday. <laughs> we'll uh, come to that. Eventually. And even the next level, really good stuff like uh, Million Dollar Baby. And then personal favorites of uh, So It's Come to This, like Diggs Town. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> there are so many really good boxing movies or even fighting movies. And I get why Gladiators and talked about like Fat City or Raging Bull. We get it. You know, Raging Bull's like a top 40 all-time <laughs> movie. and uh, We're not saying it's Raging Bull. But there's other movies that have come out within the last 10 to 20 years, like Warrior. Mm-hmm. They get ask- actual Oscar nominations. And I'm like, Nick Nolte get an Oscar nomination for Warrior. Gladiator was in and out of the box office in like three weeks. Or The Fighter. You the know, Fighter Christian got like Bale six Oscar award. nominations. Yeah. And there's In no universe is Gladiator any less flawed than the fighter or warrior totally so it's when i see movies like that that are getting a lot of awards attention and it's like well okay now i don't get why gladiator isn't talked about there are flaws james marshall is dull as the lead he's our he's our boy our proxy yeah. And he is a ghost sleepwalking through this movie. They man. literally call him Ghost in this movie. Yeah, it's like the nickname that Cuba Gooding Jr. gives him. And yeah, it's not. It's not. It doesn't help him that he's surrounded by Academy Award winner Cuba Gooding Jr., <laughs> Robert Loja, uh, Brian Dennehy. There's a scene where all where Loja and Dennehy oh, are both talking to him in an office, trying to convince him to fight. Uh, he's buying like the debt. He's like, I bought your dad's debt. You have to fight for me. Loja's over there, like, come on, hey, Loja's, Loja's got like a cigar, and Lo- to... the whole movie Loja's doing this 1950s film noir dude, right? 
in the 50s it's like but the old it's school in the promoter 90s. boxing like uh almost almost like the old guy in rocky kind of uh, very yeah 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 very burgess meredith yeah uh old guy and loja has you, yeah loja gets all the beautiful product placement moments oh. that i think i've shown you the robert loja minute made orange juice commercial yes i've heard they of play it, in yeah. the 90s where Loja just shills for, hey, drink your juice, kid. And it's, it's like, well, this is amazing. This guy is perfect. And uh, in this movie, he is just a shill for Nestle Corporation. Because mm-hmm. you get a bunch of, he has like a love of candy. And so he's this hard, grizzled 50s boxing promoter kid. I know the fight game. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, hey, give me a crunch bar. <laughs> Literally in the middle of a sentence, pans over, Leo. Give me a crunch. Guy and pull, the guy hands guy him a pulls a Nestle full candy bar, bar out of his jacket breast pocket. It's so bizarre. It's so bizarre that it happens that one time. You're like, oh, that's okay. <laughs> Just like, oh, they had to get the crunch bar in there. It's like the new he said crunch so, Reese's yeah. pieces. Like three minutes later, when he's beaten James Marshall after his first impressive fight. I also, I I loved how the boxing the boxing looks really good in the movie. The it was good. Yeah, good boxing. Rowdy Harrington, what a name. Rowdy Harrington. That sounds like the most fake Australian. Name I was ever. gonna say that that another Australian getting in there. Uh, this is the movie he made after Roadhouse, mm-hmm. and Roadhouse is perfection. And this is just a fun trying to do realism, but still doing a lot of cartoon non-realism. So I love how the fights really felt like blood sport fights. There were guys sneaking like crotch kicks. Oh, yeah. And like Dirty knees fighting. and hard elbows. And the ref would see it and the fans would just go, ho, ho, ugly night tonight. That's right. It's like that weird, in- baby. inappropriate, like over the line scene in Roadhouse where he's like, yeah, some night we clean up the blood. Other nights we pick up the eyeballs. Ugh. And it's like, you're losing eyeballs plural in your <laughs> fucking bar? If you heard of a place that some guy lost one eyeball, right. I would never go to that fucking place. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, some nights, one singular night, you pick up the eyeballs. Well, who, who gets what? their eyeball gouged out and then just leaves it there? Yeah. How quickly was this? Well, the next day, like, Ted's at the trailer going, God damn it. <laughs> left, my eye- <laughs> I left my damn eyeball at the club. What a fucking hellhole town. Where the only watering saloon has a strong odds of you losing an eyeball. And so Rowdy Harrington gets to these points in his movies where he's just like, I don't know how humans behave, but I'm sure they rip out (laughs) eyeballs in fights. (laughs) Like he doesn't know the extremes of action. And so eventually this movie with Loja being this comedic, a brilliant 50s noir guy. And Dennehy being this looming comic book villain, it comes down to this killer boss fight. The whole movie, there's some scenes that just play like punch-out fights in James oh, yeah. Marshall as Little Mac. Because these punches are all <laughs> swinging for the fences. His whole body movement is all Little Mac. Yeah. And these fights all play like the, yeah, the movie Bloodsport. Plays like a Thailand fighting tournament, not like a professional boxing right. rank. They go bare knuckle at the end. Oh, well, yeah, Dennehy gets involved yeah. for the bare knuckle final boss battle. Dennehy in this fight. My God. Such a physical performance. Oh, my God. I, yeah. I, I didn't see anything about it, but it wouldn't surprise me if he trained a lot to do that. Or oh, yeah. he was a football player, so he's got athletic ability. But this is the only movie just we really to show see it him like as this. like, yeah. this is him just in a full Rocky fight. Yeah. Like, and his cheap fighting, dirty boxing is some of the best caught on film. This is like one of the great Rocky final battles. And Dennehy is just throwing the sickest headbutts oh. you've seen in a movie. <laughs> really convincing headbutts. Yeah. He really was good just stuff. crushing this kid. Just grabbing him by the hair and just ramming it. I mean, I don't know how he was pulling these things. These are some devast- brain dead causing <laughs> headbutts. And he, he, we showed earlier his different ways of dirty fighting. I love the stepping on a guy's foot and punching him in the throat. Like, whoa, boy, this guy's first step is dirty fighting. And so he's doing, 
and it also reminds me of Punch Out because James Marshall is half the size mm-hmm. of Brian Dennehy. And it just reminds me of like Bald Bull coming out in Punch Out in this huge NES sprite that takes up a quarter of the screen, looming. It had that same vibes for me. It was hitting all the right nostalgia spots. It's yeah. part of the, it's part of just why I love this movie so much. Yeah, probably the one of the great great villain roles, especially for Dennehy. He gets yeah. to just be so threatening and intimidating. We get and finally kind of gets to cut loose at the end and really just kind of go full psycho like grizzly bear. The movie is really good at presenting him as simmering. I'm threatening you without saying anything, right. villain. And you get to see him lose it and get not as much in control gradually as the movie goes on. Totally. And by the time he's in his tank top, like he's also got usually Dennehy's either gotten kind of close cropped buzz hair or like the slick parted short Dennehy cut. Mm-hmm. And this is two movies where back to back we have FX, the shaggy Paul Rudd and Anchorman cut. <laughs> yeah. And then this one, he's got the slicked back mobster hair. I think this is the only slicked back Dennehy hair. It's pretty that I've it, seen. It's probably the most close cut hair of his I've seen. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's it's got kind of the high and tight. Kind of, it almost had kind of like a yellowing like t- there was some kind of just kind of gold tint to it. Yeah. He was kind of vaguely blonde instead yeah. of his usual silver. Yeah. And so you get that blonde, light blonde hair, and he gets into this final battle wearing like black joggers and a black tank top. Looked like a really cool, like, Bill Watts kind of character coming out for, you know, Buford Pussers uh, <laughs> standing up against the town. And he's his big ass right and left hooks just swung right at face. The whole thing read like a punch-out fight. We get the great Rocky homage of Drago killing Creed. Oh, right. Where Brian Dennehy gets into the ring still wearing his business Dennehy attire. Which is him wearing this giant duster trench coat and like a suit. And he uppercuts Cuba Gooding Jr. And it looks like a Chappelle show sketch where a black <laughs> dummy is just hurled 30 feet into a crowd. It totally is. I mean, he just uppercutted the shit out of Cuba Gooding Jr. Just knocked him ass over elbow over the ropes. Total ragdoll. Yeah. Total ragdoll just shoots him 30 feet in the air. <laughs> yeah. Like you could see the trampoline underneath Kuba. Yeah, he just as gets he takes blasted. Yeah. It's like, oh, this guy's packing some heat <laughs> behind these fists. So I love we get the Drago homage because weirdly enough, our hero James looks like Drago Sito. <laughs> He's yeah. such a his hair is the exact Drago, Drago hair. Jr. Yeah. Same build as Drago, but he's the good guy. He's Chicago Drago. <laughs> I love it. The Italian Stallion and the Chicago Drago. <laughs> this is also one of many options we get in this movie that trick people into thinking Brian Dennehy's a big fat guy from Chicago. Right. Brian Dennehy knows how to play plays into fat the dudes from Chicago. Dennehy is not from Chicago. He's just a guy. Just like Wilford Brimley didn't have diabetes, he just kind of <laughs> looked like a guy. Who had diabetes? Brian Dennehy's just like, oh, clearly with that mustache and that stomach, very much a Chicago man. Yeah. Maybe Wisconsin. And then it turns out, oh, Connecticut. That's mm. that's weird. That's I wouldn't have guessed that. And so this is great fake Chicago Brian Dennehy. Totally brilliant. Love the, it. The cruelest boss ever. This feels just like grimy grindhouse final battle. Guy's nose are getting broken, you know, big old cuts over their eyes, like really sick, cool boxing. <laughs> but there's also kind of a love story at the heart of Gladiator. We get the gorgeous early 90s Cara Buono before uh, Mad Men and Stranger Things. Yeah, she's great. We get the girl, because I love the boxing trope. It's, God, it's literally in every other boxing movie that I love where the girl works at a diner. Mm-hmm. For some nine to five job, and the dumb galoot goes and visits her at her job. It's literally in all of them. Pretty much. Susan Tyrell works in a diner in in a fat city. You know, De Niro's creeping around seventeen year old <laughs> Kathy Moriarty in Raging Bull. You know, it's all the boxing movies. You're all going to the, you know Rocky's going to visit Adrian at the pet store. 
Right. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> it's same all death. the exact same, and I love it. It so works for me for a sport that I'm like, I don't really understand boxing. <laughs> I don't get the appeal. I don't get it. <laughs> but James Marshall is such, I'm glad, I love that scene that you're like, you were dying when it felt like Loja and Dennehy just bookending him on the screen, trying to get a reaction out of this. Just trying to pull anything yeah. out of him. They're, they're trying to convince him to fight for them. And he's just like, no. Yeah, no. he is just so like emo about the whole thing. And you can see Dennehy's head just kind of twisting a little bit counterclockwise. Just like, they are just dragging just like, anything on. they can get out of this guy. Loja's got this kind of like, ha ha. Loja's chomping on this cigar and he's just doing like, you're never going to get a better offer than this kid. <laughs> and they're both getting in his face and he's just like looking off at a middle distance, like worrying about life. Oh, like, James. So that's why I'm saying. The casting of Dennehy and Loja, if you had flubbed up maybe even one of those, yeah. suddenly this movie is a lot weaker because of it. If you take out both of them, and it's James Marshall carrying the weight of this one, and Cuba Gooding Jr. with his doing, loud doing brand a, of flips. charisma. Yeah, doing flips in the uh, ring and stuff. A lot of Cuba. I don't think I'm a Cuba guy. <laughs> I got nothing against Cuba. I don't think he. I don't think I, he. Hits you know, it. I, he doesn't. I don't see him enough. He's he's not interrupting me in my True. day. True, he's enough out of my wheelhouse yeah. that uh, I don't have to encounter him a bunch. I, I don't watch the cruise ship comedies that he does. So. <laughs> but uh, this movie was such a uh, a fun experience with the group, just because it's not a movie. We definitely lean more horror with our groups. Mm-hmm. This was a. A boxing movie is not really the kind of thing that's popped up before. But when it was suggested, then people seemed pretty enthusiastic. And then I think it exceeded everybody's expectations. We thought it'd be fun. It ended up being, oh, this was actually really good. This was a a nice example of the the genre. And uh, I think that really just, I don't know. It seemed like it just made all of us fans at the exact same day of this movie. And that's special. It's a movie. It's it's easy to like because yeah. of Dennehy and it and Loja and all the fun stuff that they get to give you. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to like the movie for sure. So these are two really good Brian Dennehy movies that didn't get awards uh, in his award filled career, mm-hmm. but were probably my favorite viewing experiences of this dude. So again, FX is on Amazon Prime. I'm sure Gladiator. If it's not for free, you can probably get it two ninety nine. I think it's a cheap rental on the the internet. 99 cents probably from one of these places. So worth your time. So good. Uh, Two unheralded performances from a career that should have been even more heralded than it already was. So with all the deaths lately, (laughs) I think we're going to exclusively become the RIP podcast. I hope not. I hope not. We got to cover. There's so many more people. (laughs) You know, uh, director of Stuart Gordon just passed. That's true. Jeez, there's too many yeah, that's too, too many good excuses to watch some amazing movies. But well, hopefully we don't need death as an excuse to watch these. Tom Noonan's dying. Don't, don't do I this. Don't I don't do want this. it to happen. I mean, I want to do a Manhunter episode, but I wish the circumstances were <laughs> more positive. But yes, go watch FX. Love FX and go give Gladiator a chance. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites, a movie that I would love for us to be the ones that were really the torchbearers for the excellence that is Gladiator. <laughs> That's gonna. I would love to be that as our eventual identity. <laughs> the guys that I heard about, Gla- you the know, I remember that saved Gladiator. Yeah. 1992. <laughs> Somebody out there resurrected dirt ass Hocus Pocus, <laughs> a movie that nobody liked in 1993. And 20 years later, suddenly every girl between a certain age pretends their favorite movie is Hocus Pocus. The Hocus Pocus online phenomenon. Nobody talked about this movie for four years ago. I missed ago. that one as well. We can be, we can be for that. Gladiator. We can be the Hocus Pocus what of some Gladiator. some guy was the Hocus Pocus. All right. That's that's all I want. Tune into our new show, The Gladiator Minute, where we break this movie down we're gonna <laughs> in 60-second do- segments. You guys, we're going to go so deep cut on gladiator no No, we're not this is it we're i'm so happy that we did get to talk about this 
because it feels like we wouldn't have gotten there without something catastrophic happening. Right. And I love FX and Gladiator. Just watch them. Watch them, guys. And Eric, throw me your crunch. Hey, kid, catch this. <laughs> ah, you're a peanut butter M&M guy. You like guy, the peanut huh? M&Ms, huh, uh, kid? In the next 10 minutes, Lo just popping peanut M&Ms in his mouth. <laughs> just chew it. This is, oh, we're going to cut me off in a minute here. What a great candy bud. This a lot of M&M. good Loja eating food and talking scenes. <laughs> He's eating a hoagie 10 minutes into the movie. Half of the scenes are him in a diner ordering up food. It's beautiful. It's so gorgeous. Oh, perfect movie. <laughs> Flawless. Perfect movie. Perfect movie. 10 out of 10. Gladiator, 92. Oh, man. Now we know it has come to this. A knockout punch for the whole family. <laughs> so I'm it's Charlie. Come to this. I'm Eric. Eric. Thank you, guys. Good night. <laughs>